This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. I'm Mike Pearson here today on December 27th, and I tell you it's an honor to be the host of this show. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful Christmas weekend. The week moves on. The markets are still trading and weather is still driving conversations across the country. We're going to dive into all of that here on AOA. To start, we are going to begin by looking at these markets. They have been rallying here throughout the holiday week and uh well, they're starting the week right in the same place. Joining us to talk about it is Dwayne Bossy of Bolt Marketing. Dwayne, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, we've got some excitement here in the grain trade specifically. We are hired to start Christmas week here, this dead week between Christmas and New Year's. Dwayne, before we dive into the numbers, how much can we learn from a week like this where there is thin trading with Christmas on one end and New Year's on the other? Oh, that's a great question, Mike. You know, you're right. It is thinly traded. A lot of the large professional fund traders uh, are taking a holiday off more than likely. So it is hard to learn, like, like this bullish move we have. Is it real or not? I, I can tell you where it is real it is on the charts. You know, we are going to make higher highs than we have recently. So uh, the technical traders will definitely be eyeing the move we make this week. But, yeah, we'll really find out next week when the professional traders get back whether they believe in this or not. Well, Dwayne, let's talk about the numbers we've got in front of us. We've got the March corn contract up over six bucks, seems to be hanging in there. Are, are, are you optimistic that we could be at a new price level here or should growers be aggressively selling during this week? You know, maybe a little bit of both, which is bad when brokers do that. I know it's not fun, but I am a, a bull in the grain markets. I, obviously, we're being driven by the drought in South America, and Argentina is going to get really hot and really dry with some scattered showers later this week. That's what has the market up overnight and up this morning. But you know, already from the opening pop at 8.30, we're losing just a little bit of momentum because of what you mentioned, that holiday thin volume. So there's less and less people that want to buy it at this higher levels. It would actually probably be best to see this market correct a little bit and be a better bullish market to correct the overbought position a little bit and then have a grind higher. But longer term, I think demand's good. We had an export sale this morning to unknown destinations of uh, six, uh, what, 269000 That's a big purchase. And that old unknown air quotes out there, that very well could be China stepping in and buying a little bit of corn. So, no, I am friendly, and I do think this move is somewhat justified, but we, we do need to pull back as well. So if you wanted to sell a little cash, in here there's nothing wrong with that uh, looking out to new crop i've got december 2022 in front of me little north of 550 are, are you being aggressive on new crop sales quite yet or are we still waiting to get about better handle on the acreage mix you know we're not yet and that's the trader in me saying that this trade action just seems bullish and like you mentioned there's so much uncertainties when it comes to acreage fertilizer herbicide for 2022 i, I think we have some some more upside, but the spreadsheet guy in me says, wow, these are great profits that need to be locked in. That's why I do go back and forth a little bit. You know, it's a case-by-case -case deal with producers, really. If it's a younger producer that needs to make sure he makes money this year, I have no problem with him selling aggressively. But for the more seasoned producer out there that can stand a little risk, I'd say this trade action looks bullish and he can wait a little bit more. All right. Looking over at the wheat market, Dwayne, there has been a bullish story in the wheat market since last summer. We saw the drought across the northern plains up there in your country there, South North Dakota, Montana, Minnesota. And of course, we've seen trouble around the world for, for wheat growers. Where's this wheat market headed? A wheat market's probably in, in a choppy fest moving forward for the next couple of months. You know, obviously we're a long ways away from our winter wheat breaking dormancy, but that's when we could see another move. But we're probably in that, I, I say choppy, but it's probably a dollar range choppy back and forth, which is quite the range. I understand that, but we're at higher levels. I don't think we have anything bullish enough to send us over $9 in Chicago wheat or, you know, to go to 10 or anything like that. That would have to come next year if we have a weather problem. Um, yeah. 
world wheat supplies are down, so we're kind of justified trading in here. But like I said, nothing to really push us to new highs right now at this moment. On the spring wheat side, Dwayne, any chance we could see some fireworks in that market yet as uh, first quarter 2022 comes into focus? Well, I, I sure think so, because, of course, they have to compete for acres yet, right? Um, you know, the winter wheat's been planted, but spring wheat, that'll come up to <laughs> the decision of a lot of the North Dakota, Montana, and, like I said, South Dakota producers this spring. Uh, you're going to need to see some high prices there to, to get those acres with a high fertilizer cost, because, of course, it, it takes a lot of fertilizer to plant spring wheat as well. And North Dakota's pretty much an empty slate right now. They can plant whatever they want yet. So uh, it's going to have to stay up there to compete for acres. And, you know, crop was really small last year, so we don't have much old crop to rely on, which is something I haven't said in probably six or seven years when it comes to spring wheat. That's true. This is kind of a change in paradigm for for spring wheat, for sure. Dwayne, I want to pick your brain here on the soybean market. It is moving the most quickly this morning, January up, uh, you know, 18 cents as the week gets started here. What's moving soybeans? It's all about the drought in Argentina right now. You got Argentina that's fairly dry as they're finishing up planting and going to get crazy hot this week, too. Uh, starting to see some pictures on social media of some withered and drying soybean plants. Uh, southern Brazil is also dry as well. But yeah, northern Brazil, if anything, they're too wet. So there's somewhere in between that's, that's going to have a nice crop. Actually, Brazil will well, I'm sure, end up with a record soybean crop. So we need to take this rally with a grain of salt that, you know, it, it can't just go to 18 or 20 bucks and just never going to stop. But, uh, you know, it, it's drier than the trade thought the last couple of months. And it's, you know, so it's not going to be a perfect crop. So that's where we're getting the rally from. But, you know, we're in a range. I wanted it to get between 13 and uh, $14 to maybe look to sell old crop supplies. And here we are at 1350 right snap dab in the middle. If we can get the... Uh, the resistance at 1385 this week on you know light volume bullish trade I, i'd say producers need to step up and sell some then on the new crop side again you know we're seeing that inversion november at 1273 are you are you getting aggressive on the soybean side for new crop sales dwayne I, not right here because of kind of the same trade action looks bullish to me, the same thing why I'm not selling much of the new crop corn. But it is the new crop beans that I'd like to sell or hedge or protect first. A um, little bit more nervous that the bean acres could be higher in my area, you know, where the fringe acres are. If if we can't get fertilizer or fertilizer is high price, it's going to be very easy for guys in North Dakota to say, well, fine, I'll just plant beans. So so that's the crop that could probably gain the most acres and should be hedged first. But I'm not, I'm not doing it quite yet, but boy, you, you get about 13 and it's gonna be hard for me to not <laughs> hedge some as a producer myself okay and that makes sense so 13 is the target you're watching on new crop beans yes it is yep looking at meal and oil demand has been strong do you figure that's going to stay the same throughout 2022 it should. I actually, I've even been a little disappointed in our crush. I, I thought the crush should be higher because they're, they're making good money as the crush plants. Now, if Argentina does continue to have a drought, remember, they're the number one meal exporter in the world. That's why meal has taken off and led the rally here in oil. That's rallying from the, you know, the reduction in uh, supply from the palm oil supplies last summer. So, no, they look strong going forward. They look strong going forward. Good news to see this market rally developing here in this holiday week. Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. And folks, stay with us. When we return, John Baranek of DTN Weather will join us to talk about what to expect as we look ahead to the new year. Stay with us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA agriculture of america don't go away more aoa coming right up oh nice engine supercharged yep high porosity and aggregates yep porous medium for gas exchange uh-huh microbial catalytic potential and repository for carbon and nitrogen check check and check Oh, man, that is good under the hood. And to think I used to be impressed with hammies. So, when was the last time you looked under the hood at your farm's production engine? At your soil? Is it as healthy and productive as it can be? Stop by your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out and unlock the secrets in your soil. 
This message brought to you by NRCS and this radio station. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Hello, folks, and welcome back to AOA. Boy, it was warm for a lot of folks across the country on Christmas time. And then the day after, some other folks got slammed with snow. Weather continues to be volatile, and we're going to get to the bottom of it with John Baranek from DTN Weather. John, thanks for talking to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I really like the uh, the, the new opening music for you. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it. Glad to get some positive <laughs> feedback. John, let's talk about the weather system that's moving in from the West Coast. What do we have cooking out there across the, the Mountain West right now? Yeah, the West has uh, been seeing some pretty good precipitation here over the over the course of the last week or so. We got the polar vortex moving into western portions of Canada and combined with another system of air across the west. So they've been getting just continual periods of, of moisture coming off the Pacific Ocean. And uh, it's been, you know, quite favorable for them to, for, for their drought. Uh, you know, some areas have had issues with flooding, you know, that, that comes with it. And some heavy snow that, you know, producing some challenges with that. But I think they'll take the moisture um, over, over those conditions uh, all the time here because they've just been, the drought has just been intense for over a year now. Yeah, I mean, it's been intense for some time, John. Have they gotten enough moisture to start moving out of some of the more extreme drought categories there in the West Coast? Well, they have already in some of the portions of the uh, the far uh, northwestern Pacific, uh, Pacific Northwest there around western uh, Washington has actually eliminated all their drought out there. Uh, they had some pretty good precipitation in November to help with that. Um, but it's it's going to take a lot of moisture to move the needle here across a portion like California, uh, Oregon, Nevada. A lot of these areas here are in that highest uh, drought category, that exceptional drought. And it's going to take a lot of precipitation to move the needle out there. This is their, um, no, this is their, their time of year when they normally get precipitation anyway, so they're going to have to go above and beyond what they normally get to, to really eliminate that drought. Well, John, I mean, typically whatever happens in the West moves its way to the East. What do you expect to see as this weather system moves its way across the country? 
Yeah, so uh, that the polar vortex is 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 pretty much stuck uh, in Western Canada and the, the the Pacific Northwest here for the next several days, um, and that contrasts with a, a really strong ridge of high pressure across the southern states. Temperatures right now. Uh, are almost 70 degrees towards the Gulf of Mexico, which is kind of uh, incredible, even for this time of year. Um, meanwhile, that we're contrasting that with temperatures 20 to 30 below zero in uh, Western Canada. So that sets up a really strong temperature gradient right across the middle of the country and allows for storms to just move right along that, uh, that, that gradient. And uh, we're going to see several move through over the course of the week. So we've already got one that moved through, like you mentioned, uh, yesterday. Uh, we've got another one on tap for tomorrow, and that could be some uh, some heavy precipitation again across the Midwest. Uh, we're looking at some heavy snow across Iowa, northern Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and really towards the north the northern portions of Indiana, Ohio as well, uh, and some some pretty decent. Uh, potential for thunderstorms across the southern half of the Midwest uh, for tomorrow. We'll see another system move through kind of the Delta region and through the southeast on Wednesday, so just a day later. And then we'll have a couple of little pieces of energy moving through with some lighter precipitation for the rest of the week. But the big one coming up is uh, we'll see that strong ridge I talked about across the south kind of weaken, and that's going to allow the polar vortex, at least a portion of it, to just come sweeping across the country here this weekend. We'll see a really strong storm system with it. It's too early right now to talk about where, but I'm, I'm expecting uh, ice and heavy snow to be a, an issue here from somewhere in the plains through the Midwest. Um, we're going to have to keep our eye on that for, for folks, uh, depending on where they get hit. Um, and then the, the cold temperatures move through, and it's going to be pretty cold, especially since where we've been. If, if you're in the eastern Corn Belt right now and uh, you're sitting here in southern Illinois or Indiana where temperatures are in the 60s in December in the morning, it's ridiculous to start. Um, you know, when we get temperatures approaching zero, it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be quite a slap in the face as that moves through. Yeah, it certainly will. So that storm system, that severe one, should begin to impact uh, folks here Friday is when you see that uh, coming into the, the picture? So it, it's going to move through uh, the west here on Friday. It's going to start kind of moving into the plains here Friday night. And then really during the day on Saturday and Saturday night is the main uh, uh, time frame. Now models can change that a little bit here. And uh, if you look, depending on which model you look at, um, the, the American GFS model or the European, there's, there are some slight changes in that time frame and, and the track and where all the, the ice and snow move as well. So uh, we'll have to keep our eye on that. But for the main part, it's going to be uh, across the Midwest. It'll be Saturday and Saturday night. Saturday and Saturday night, then that polar vortex, you mentioned it's going to work its way south and east. John, as these cold weather, as this cold weather settles in, is, is it here to stay? I mean, is, is winter finally arriving for the upper Midwest and parts of the Corn Belt? Well, it looks like it's starting. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing um, that this, this uh, lobe of the polar vortex is going to come sweeping through, but it's going to keep continuing off the east coast, and it has to be replaced by something. So another ridge of, of, of warm air is going to pop back in uh, for early next week. Uh, and then we, we start to see changes in the models and how long that warm air sticks around, because there's going to be another lobe of the polar vortex that forms off the west coast uh, over this weekend and into early next week. And models are split on whether or not they want to keep uh, that off in the West, or if they want to push that back East again, I tend to believe, um, that winter's here and we'll see that kind of move back into the central portions of the country here, kind of in the middle to end of next week. So, uh, around the 5th, 6th, 7th of January. Um, but there is a possibility that, that, that it stays off in the West and, uh, we, we kind of return to, to spring like temperatures again, um, for, for that part of January. Now, either way we go here, if, if the cold air comes back in or if it stays off to the west, kind of towards the middle and end of January, we were expecting a warm-up anyway. So um, uh, it's it winter starting, but it, it's not really going to stick around for too long here, especially the further south and east you are in the country. 
It's incredible to see folks still out there putting tile in the ground across Iowa and <laughs> Illinois in, you know, as the new year comes into focus. John, you talked about how it might warm back up here as we get into the middle part of January. Do you expect to see the kind of moisture flow that we're seeing now where we've got a lot of little storm systems that keep making their way across the country? Uh, as long as we can stay active and, and get a good contrast in temperatures here from northwest to southeast, we'll continue to see the storm track right through the Midwest, and we'll continue to see that moisture kind of flow in. Um, you know, when we settle into a cold period, if, if we do settle into a cold period, uh, usually that shuts down our precipitation. Same thing if, if, we, if we get into some nice, incredible warm temperatures, usually that blocks systems from moving through. Um, and that leads us to kind of a, a generally dry pattern. But if we can stay in the kind of transition zone, uh, which it looks like we are, uh, then we'll see increased precipitation, especially the further east you go. So, you know, Indiana, Ohio, uh, Michigan, those areas are more likely to see increased precipitation, which is typical of a La Nina. Let's talk about La Nina. I was still tracking it. Do we see that intensifying still? We do. So we actually saw um, kind of a, uh, I won't get into the sciencey part of it, but a, a, an increase in the in the in the coldness there right along the equator last week. Uh, it looks like it's going to continue this week, and so we might see a, a brief uh, rapid intensification of it. But then uh, we 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 are still expected to wane in the the La Nina conditions to wane through uh, through the late winter and spring months. So over the next few weeks, we could see a, a brief intensification of it. That won't really have a huge impact on our our weather locally, uh, but just kind of keep it steady for a while and uh, probably cause the the waning to uh, drift off a little bit closer to April May. Uh, time frame than than uh, than March into early April. With a La Nina waning as planting season gets underway, is there anything growers should be thinking about this far ahead, or or is it still just way too early to start putting plans together for uh, how the weather could be during planting? Yeah, it's tough to say because um, you know La Ninas bring about a lot of change in weather conditions um, anyway. Um, so uh, you know last year's La Nina kind of gave us a nice warm March and early April, and then kind of shut things down, especially if you were over kind of Minnesota. And, and I think people even in Northern Illinois had to do some replanting with some late frosts uh, later in the year. So, uh, you know, those conditions can still stick around. Uh, so it's really tough to say right now how the, the spring's gonna go. But if we continue to see that wetter pattern across the Eastern Corn Belt, uh, you know, we've had pretty good moisture around. It, uh, it might be it might be tough going. We might have to wait a little bit longer than we're used to. All right. We'll be keeping an eye on the sky for moisture. Thank you to John Brannick from DTN Weather. Folks, stick with us when AOA returns. We'll talk to Dennis Smith from Archer Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. Not a lot of news for traders to go off to start off the week following the Christmas holiday. South American weather conditions continue to reduce production estimates in the south and delayed harvest in northern parts of Brazil. The upper Midwest in the U.S. is seeing a large system move through. As for the hard red, winter wheat areas, little precipitation is in the forecast. On the Board of Trade, March corn trading four and a half cent higher at six ten and a half cent. The May contract up six and three quarters at six 
612 and a fraction of a cent. For soybeans, the January contract up 18 at 1350, the March contract up 18 and a half cent at 1359. For wheat, Chicago wheat March down a half cent at 814 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat March down two at 859 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat March down six at 1026 and a half cent. The May contract down a nickel at 1019 and three quarters. In Thursday afternoon's cattle on feed report, the USDA pegged all U.S. cattle on feed as of December 1st at 11.985 million head or 99.6% of last year. This is just under the 12.036 million head, 100% of last year average trade estimate. November placements came in at 103.6% of last year, which is just above the 103.2% average trade estimate. Cattle marketed during November came in at 105.3% of last year above the 104.4% average trade estimate. On the Board of Trade, February live cattle up 7 at 139.70, April up 5 at 143.97. Feeder cattle March down 42 at 163.32, April down 45 at 166.92. In lean hogs, April $1.10 higher at 87.75, the May contract up 85 at 92.05. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Hello, folks. Welcome back to AOA. We are going to be talking to Dennis Smith from Archer Financial Services next on the program. Last week, we had a couple important reports released by the USDA. We saw their cattle on feed report come out to few surprises. Dennis will give us his take on uh, what that report might show us for January. And we also had the quarterly hogs and pigs report come out last week. So Dennis keeps track of all of these numbers here with Archer Financial Services. He's going to shed some light on them for us today. Dennis, thank Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, good, good morning, Mike. Well, Dennis, let's talk about this cattle on feed report came out uh, last week. Trade was watching it closely. Not many surprises is my understanding. No, not many surprises. The uh, the marketing number was a good solid number at 105. One extra marketing day uh, placements were at 104. Uh, looking forward or, or looking at the reaction to this, I would think you should see some bull spread activity. In other words, the front end of the market, I would think, would be a little stronger than the back end of the market. Uh, but we're we're pivoting or we're looking for the, the next cash market. 135 last week, there's talk of uh, maybe it'll be much closer to 140 when it gets established uh, uh, later this week. Dennis, what are you expecting to see for a slaughter on this week? Given that Christmas was Saturday and New Year's is Saturday, are, are plants running full tilt? Uh, they are going to be running uh, not full tilt. There will be some uh, some time off maybe late in the week, but it's going to be uh, higher than last week's kill. I think they, the processing margins are highly profitable, and I think the incentive is there to try to kill more uh, on the Friday, Saturday kill than they did in the last week. And then, of course, next week, uh, back to business with a full kill week. 
and uh, and that's what they're buying for this week as far as the cash steer market. You know, Dennis, I was looking at the marketing's number on that Catalan feed report, 5% above 2020 for November marketings, the highest marketings for November since the series began in 1996. That implies to me that these profit margins are causing these packers to run as, as hard as they can. Yeah, I, despite the labor challenges, it seems like they, they're having more success at the beef uh, level than they are in the pork level as far as running uh, and there is less labor as far as further processing required in beef than there is in the pork so you're right mike it, it seems like uh, they have every incentive no doubt about that as far as profitability and uh, they have uh, more success it seems like running the beef plants uh, closer to full tilt than they have in the pork sector Interesting. Interesting. I hadn't considered how the plant uh, processes might be responsible for how they've handled staffing, but it certainly makes sense. Dennis, you mentioned 140 potential cash trade this week. Looking out to early January, I mean, can that cash trade, do you expect to see 145 in the, the near term? I think we've got a lot of room to the upside as far as where this cash steer market is going. Uh, on the horizon, we have the biannual cattle inventory report that comes out the last day of January. Uh, Mike, we've been, or I should say the industry's been liquidating beef cows for a full year. And not just U.S. beef cows, uh, Canada has also been liquidating beef cows. I think the biannual cattle inventory will be very positive. We'll be talking about lower beef production this year. And uh, now in tandem with the hog and pig report, you're also going to be talking about lower pork production. So, yeah, the cash steer market could continue on and trade uh, quite a bit higher into the first quarter. I imagine that's going to spill out into support for feeders, uh, Dennis? Well, it will to a certain extent. we got to try to figure out this corn market and how high our corn price is going. It's a, it's a real impressive rally on the grain board, and that's uh, stifled the feeders. Uh, but if, if there's any sort of a top established in grain prices, feeders have the ability to, to literally explode in price literally explode in price that would be great news to a lot of cow calf producers ranchers out west dennis what, what would the top of that explosion look like in your mind i mean is 180 on the feeder board reasonable yeah well the may feeders are at 169.27 so i think you could put 20 dollars on if we can contain the price of corn so i think uh, uh, by spring you can see uh, uh, feeder prices are much closer to 190 than they are uh, currently under 170. But boy, it is still tough with the feed costs being what they are. Dennis, I know you work with, with cattle feeders across the country. How are they managing their feed costs for 2022? Are you seeing some folks take, take some aggressive purchases just to lock in their price? Uh, we've seen a, a little bit of that activity. We we had some long hedges on early and lifted a lot of them, taking some profits. So the the current move in the corn, I think, has been pretty unexpected by by a lot in the industry, including myself. So again, the price of corn, price of feed in general, is uh, is going to be a critical uh, uh, swinging variable here. Uh, that will determine how aggressive guys can be for feeders. But it seems like almost all the time feeders are, are overpriced uh, relative to, to how they should pencil out. And I'm assuming that will carry through and follow through into 2022. Well, you mentioned the hogs and pigs report, and we could be expecting smaller pork production levels as we go forward into 2022. Let's talk about that report. Um, we did see that the hog herd was down a little bit. Dennis, 4%. Is that kind of what you were expecting before this report was released? Well, uh, no, it was uh, the numbers were just generally lower than I think what everyone was expecting. I mean, the range in the cap for market was 96 to 99, and we came in at 96 with an average at 97. So, I mean, it's just a, a very positive report. Uh, fewer hogs than virtually everyone was expecting. 
And uh, lower hogs means lower production. There's really no way around that. And it's a very constructive report as we move into 2022. Well, given what this report has showed us, as you look at hog pricing here right now, I mean, have we responded as you would have expected to a favorable report like uh, that quarterly hogs and pigs? Well, I thought we would be uh, sharply higher. We were higher. We're not sharply higher. But again, we also rallied sharply into this report. So the trade kind of got got wind that it could be a, a friendly report. Uh, certainly they got wind in a general consensus that it would not be a negative report. So the sharp rally that we finished up with late last week is showed follow through today. You know, your summer contracts, June, July, August, and the October hogs have taken out the November highs. April futures are about 50 points from that, and the February hogs tested the November highs before pulling back today. You take those levels out in the Feb and the April, and then you're going to see upside follow through. Dennis, you know, I'm just looking at hog prices now, May at 92, June at 98, July at 98, August at 97. Those are pretty attractive price levels. Are you seeing growers hedge aggressively up here or is north of 100 bucks pretty reasonable as you look out to this summer? In my opinion, it's very reasonable. We are not encouraging aggressive type hedging because I think there's a chance, a real chance that uh, the highs from last summer will be challenged. And so I'm talking about the 120 level in the summer hogs. I think that type of movement and action in the hog market is very realistic. Uh, if, if we get through or on the other side of this California Proposition 12 without a, a pretty major uh, a di- a disaster from the demand aspect. Well, what is the market anticipating with Proposition 12? Of course, that goes into law theoretically on the first of the year. It doesn't seem to be spooking the markets too much as I look at some of these prices, Dennis. No, absolutely not. I think the market is anticipating that uh, enforcement will simply be non-existent. So uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, what happens moving forward. There's been a lot of talk that enforcement would not begin until mid-2022. There's also a lot of confusion on how it will be enforced. So it is a can of worms as far as what will happen. The futures market is telling me uh, enforcement will not take place next week when this rule becomes, becomes law. Looking out to this summer, 120 is a very attractive price level. Dennis, do we need to maintain strong exports to China in order to get there, or can domestic demand bump lean hog prices that high? No, we will require the, the export market to heat up a bit. Exports have been down in 2021, primarily because of a big drop in, in Chinese pork exports. But uh, the USDA, this is not just me, but the USDA is projecting that uh, pork exports will increase uh, into 2022 compared to 2021. And the, uh, the big uh, projection is that the Chinese will come back into the U.S. pork market with increase in larger purchases. Wow. Well, that would be very good news for hog producers. It's great to get that protein shipped off our shores. It's always nice to see some positivity there for the livestock producer. Dennis Smith from Archer Financials, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me on. And folks, stick around. When AOA returns, Austin Bentham from High Ground Dairy will talk what about what that market should expect to see as 2022 comes into view. Stick around for AOA. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Today, more than six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's and more than 11 million family members and friends serve as their caregivers. While researchers are working tirelessly to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia, the number of people living with Alzheimer's is expected to more than double by 2050. The toll of the disease is monumental, and its devastation affects family, friends, and especially caregivers. No one should face Alzheimer's and dementia by themselves. If you or someone you know is struggling to provide care to a loved one, please share this message. You are not alone. Free help and resources are available 24-7. To talk with an expert and obtain disease-related information, care and support services, call 800-272-3900 or visit the Alzheimer's Association website at alz.org. You are not alone. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online.
You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Hello, folks. You're listening to AOA. Mike Pearson in today, and I would guess that a lot of you might be like me, and you had some Christmas pie with a little bit of ice cream. I do love it a la mode. Well, that got me thinking about the dairy market, and that is a market that has struggled with lots of volatility over this past year, and I wanted to check in on what to expect as the new year gets started with dairy. To help us do that, Austin Bentham, a broker with High Ground Dairy, is joining us. Austin, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start first with where milk prices have been over this past year. It has been a volatile period for dairy producers. Can you give us the highlights of the the past 12 months? Yeah, so really we've seen a lot of volatility in the class three market and cheese and and I'm sure much like everything else, um, people are familiar with the supply chain story. So COVID hit. And we had a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainty, and that means a lot of volatility in the in the supply chain. Um, originally, in, in early 2020, um, buyers didn't know what to do. There were shutdowns and, and a lot of uh, cancellations of uh, of orders in, in the cheese market, especially in the food service restaurant industry. Um, that caused a huge sell-off in all in the entire um, dairy commodity complex. Um, then we kind of saw a rebound as we tried to sort things out. And ever since, uh, for in, especially in terms of class three, we've <laughs> seen it, seen a struggle in that cheese supply chain, which is more complex than the other four major being uh, nonfat whey, um, butter, and, and cheese. Cheese is the most complex supply chain, so we've seen the most volatility there. Um, then when we look at powders, powders have, uh, are, are more internationally traded. And because our, our um, competition for, for global dairy supply, especially for the powders, has been New Zealand and EU, they've struggled to produce milk, um, mostly due to environmental constraints. Um, so the powder markets have gotten stronger um, in the last year. Uh, cheese market has been extremely volatile. And then butter kind of bottomed out uh, the middle of the year, and, and we've noticed that uh, and, and the industry has struggled to supply butter into the last uh, half of the year. So those prices are uh, for, for butter and for nonfat have been peaking, hitting new all-time highs. Cheese has been volatile and, and whey has, has been maintaining all-time highs. That is impressive just to see that level of demand out there amidst these supply chain disruptions. Let's talk about the powder market first. Obviously, protein exports have been huge for American agriculture throughout all of 2021. Was powder a component of that? Have we seen larger exports? Yes, we have. We've had excellent exports all year. Um, I think in terms of dairy, it's really a supply side issue. So um, the the supply in New Zealand and EU hasn't been what um, the global market has expected, and demand has been robust. So, uh, really, that just leaves the U.S. as the sole supplier going into 2022, which is exciting for us. Yeah, that's a nice position to be in. With that being the case, and with milk prices, class three prices between what eighteen and a half and twenty dollars here, as we look out to the summer of 2022, what's the upside price target here in class three? Do you think we can move much higher? You know, there's certainly a possibility, and we think that's the most likely scenario. Um, given that we're the only region that's able to expand over the next six months, um, we're certainly going to test those those numbers. I mean, most of the curve right now is at or around 20 bucks. Um, I think people are, are starting to think that uh, it's, it's, it's entirely possible that we could see some, some pretty impressive numbers, pretty attractive numbers. Um, you know, we could even look at testing all-time highs for some of these just because um, there's not a lot of equity on dairy farms right now, and there's not not a huge ability to to expand. Um, farmers will try. We've certainly had some surprising revisions in the um, 
in the November milk production report. Um, so maybe there is a little bit more equity than anticipated, but flat out, if, uh, if there's a need for protein globally, that's going to pull milk out of the cheese class three um, complex. And that's going to eventually we're going to see some pretty attractive, uh, more attractive than we already have uh, class three milk prices. So 20 bucks, I think, is, is uh, what most people have in mind for 2022, but we could certainly see numbers up in the 24, even, you know, if you want to get crazy, we could, we could potentially see some $26 um, numbers at some point if, if the bulls are correct. Wow. That would be challenging or taking out some of the highs from 2014, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's correct. And that gets exciting for dairy producers, certainly. And that's, that's definitely pretty troubling for our, uh, for our buy side customers. Yeah, I could see that. A lot of uncertainty out there. Austin, before we let you go, you mentioned there were some surprises in that November milk production report. What jumped out at you the most? Really, it was California milk production. We thought that California um, dairies had a lot less equity. We're, we're contracting a, a bit um, faster than we originally expected. But then in the November report, we re, um, revised that up a half a percent. And I think the industry took that as, hey, we're not as, you know, this market isn't as out of control as we initially anticipated. Okay, interesting. I wanted to ask you too, before we let you go, Austin, we've been talking about the cow herd staying roughly the same size despite all the challenges in the dairy sector. Is that changing? Are we starting to see some liquidation in the herd? There certainly will be. And when you think about the dairy herd, you've got to think about it in terms of large, medium, and small producers. Small producers and medium-sized producers are still going to have a lot of stress. So they'll still contract. Will those cows make it onto the, the larger farms? Most likely. Um, but the other concern is, is the replacement stock. Um, it's not very profitable to um, raise excess replacement heifers. So I think that we're going to struggle to grow the herd here in 2022. All right. Potential price upsides ahead in dairy. Austin Bentham from High Ground Dairy, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And folks, tune in tomorrow on AOA. We'll talk with Gary Schnitke about break-evens, and Arlen Suterman will share his thoughts on the markets. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.